Module 39, Elaborate with Health and Wellness Professionals. Teaming up with health and wellness practitioners is a great way to expand your professional network and build your client base. With the health and wellness marketing growing annually, there are plenty of opportunities for health coaches to collaborate with these professionals. Working as a part of a multidisciplinary group is a great way to ensure your clients are getting well-rounded care and attention. When individuals with different specialties and background work together, outcomes are often better. Each person has a different skill set. For example, health coaches specialize in primary food, something other health and wellness professionals may not offer themselves but would consider a valuable service for their clients or patients. Professionals, you could reach out to about a possible collaboration. Athletic coaches, Ayurveda practitioners, or chiropractors, fitness or dance instructors, herbalists, massage therapists, midwives, naturopath, nurse practitioners, physical trainers, physical assistants, physicians, registered dietitians, and yoga instructors. Getting started. The possibilities for how a health coach and other health coach or health and wellness professionals could collaborate are endless. To help you get started, here are a few ideas of what you can offer that might interest a health or wellness professionals. Free health coaching consultation for new clients. Ongoing support for clients enrolled in a specific training program. Pamphlets about primary or secondary food. Recipe cards for nutritional meals. Regular features in their newsletter or blog. Short video series on their website or blog. Exploring the possibilities for collaboration. Since there are so many potential opportunities for collaboration, it's best to get clear about the types of collaboration that would best align with your offerings and your clients' needs. Use the prompt below to get clear on the types of professionals you'd most like to work with and how you'd like to collaborate. Write down at least three different types of health or wellness professionals <coughs> That you'd, be, that you'd like to collaborate with. What about each of these professionals inspires you to collaborate with them? Two, visualize what an ideal collaboration would look like for you. Describe how you think this collaboration would work. Would you develop a workshop together? Work together in a partnership? See the same clients? Get creative and see what you've come up with. 3. Narrow down your list and choose one specific types of health or wellness professional that you plan on reaching out to and drop an email suggesting a collaboration. Include 
how you feel your service complement their services and why you feel the collaboration would be mutually beneficial propose a structure that you feel would work for the collaboration when you're ready consider sending your email to the professional you'd like to collaborate with and begin planting the seeds and we're here tonight to talk um, I'm here with Jennifer to talk a little bit about our experiences of working as a health coach with a doctor um, and I basically graduated from integrative nutrition in 2008 and I've really been working as a health coach ever since um, I've been working with dr. Frank Lippman here in New York since 2010 um, and it kind of started out, I was looking for a mentor and looking for someone to possibly get, like have a referral relationship with. And it kind of quickly expanded into um, really being integrated into the practice full time. So it's been a great experience. And one of the things I just love in general about being a health coach and this work is that we never stop learning. You know, I've really been able to keep reading books and going to conferences and learning through working with a mentor. So that's been very rewarding. And as Carrie said, I'm Jennifer, and I graduated from IIN in 2012. Um, I've been now with Dr. Lippman for about two years. By the time I came into the practice, Carrie had really established the role of health coach with Dr. Lippman and, and was really working side by side with him. And I was fortunate enough to be able to come in and do that same thing with him. Um, I was actually had been following him for a long time because I was very interested in the intersection of Eastern and Western medical practices because I really felt like they kind of came together and complemented each other really nicely. And Dr. Littman's perspective, that's really how he practices and where he comes from. Um, and being there, the transformations that I've seen over and over and over in people's lives through working with him and also really through working with the coaches, it's been extraordinary and it's been really inspiring and it really, I mean, I you know, love going to the office all the time because you get to be in that environment. So it's been really excellent. And one of the things we wanted to share a little bit about is um, the functional medicine perspective. Uh, Dr. Lippman is a functional medicine doctor. He's in that tradition. And I think for any health coaches that are looking to have a relationship with a doctor, um, it, that's a great place to start is by looking for functional medicine doctors in your area uh, because they really understand the importance of diet and food uh, for supporting the healing of their patients. Um, so in functional medicine, one of the ways that it's different from conventional medicine or Western medicine is that we're really looking to um, find the, the root of problems. So a lot of times in Western medicine, what doctors are equipped to do, what they're kind of trained to do, is to eliminate symptoms. And so that might be if you get migraines, that they give you a medication for your migraines. Or um, just last week, I saw a patient with um, an autoimmune disease, and it, uh, it was like a spinalitis, so it affected his back. He had a lot of back pain. And the rheumatologist that he went to wanted to give him uh, cortisone, so like a steroid, to help the pain. But this patient really knew, he kind of knew in his gut that 
that wasn't the path that he wanted to be going down because then he would just have to keep taking that for a long time um, and wouldn't be addressing what the issue is underneath. And he had a really strong instinct, which I respect, that diet played a part. But with the doctors he was going to, they just weren't addressing that part of it. He wasn't getting the support and the guidance that he needed to figure out, well, what foods should I eat and what should I avoid? So that's kind of how he found his way to us. So a good metaphor for it is like, like putting a Band-Aid on problems. Um, you know, and Dr. Lippman always says, like, if the oil light in your car goes on, you don't just put a Band-Aid over it. You know, you have to address the underlying problem. Uh, another example I really love is like if a plant is wilting and turning brown, you don't just paint it green. You know, so you really have to look at the sun and the water and the soil and the nutrients in order to help the plant to thrive. So that's kind of the work that we're doing and um, the key modalities that we're using are diet. So that's where health coaches really become so valuable in a doctor's practice. Um, because we, we are helping people change their diets. And then we also use supplements, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, we, we use acupuncture and some body work, like some chiropractic, to help people. And also lifestyle changes. Um, and that may be some stress management, or helping people with some yoga or meditation, or breathing exercises, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's where the health coaches are really able to come into play in, in Dr. Lippman's practice because, you know, as Carrie mentioned, obviously, well, the lifestyle changes are really, you know, foundational to the healing process from Dr. Lippman's perspective. Um, and of course, diet is the obvious one and sort of the one that we talk about probably the most. But at the same time, you know, Dr. Lippman recommends yoga to his patients probably as frequently as he recommends supplements. Um, it comes up all the time in conversation. Um, also, you know, well, we sit in on all of his initial meetings with patients, so when a new patient comes in, they always sit down with Dr. Littman and a health coach there, and we really get into their history, so we really learn what's going on with them, and as they're telling us their story, you also get to know them a bit, you know, you can tell maybe some things that are going on under the surface, and, uh, and so stress management comes up a lot if you have a patient who's very anxious or if someone's in a very sort of type A, high-powered job, which happens a lot in New York, right? Those are a lot of the people we end up seeing. Um, so he talks about stress management a lot. So these are all things that we would be talking about as health coaches anyway, but having the sort of impetus coming from their doctor to talk about it lends obvious credibility to me than when I'm like, you need to start meditating every day, you know? Um, so, so that works really well together. Um, but, of course, as a doctor with a very busy practice, Dr. Lippman will sit down and he'll spend 45 minutes with a patient on their first visit, but he doesn't have the time to give the sort of full support that a health coach can. And so he makes, not only do we sit in on the sessions with him, then they usually go and they have some body work done, and then they come to us and they have a whole session with us. So seeing a health coach is actually like hand-in-hand, -hand, an integral part of their experience at 1111 Wellness. Um, and, uh, and it, it's working incredibly. I mean, he says all the time how um, the compliance rates with his patients went through the roof when he started working with Carrie full-time, and, and now we have a whole team of health coaches, so it's really exciting. Yeah, and so that's a question I get quite often from health coaches that are interested in partnering with doctors, is just like, how does it work, and how do you 
approach a doctor and how do you kind of build this relationship or partnership. Um, and I guess my biggest piece of advice for that would just be to be really open to whatever form it might take. Um, I think it's a good idea to introduce yourself to doctors and kind of explain what you do. And I think our expertise as health coaches is really, we can help with these dietary changes like inside and out. Um, and we can sit with a patient and I, like what he always says is that he used to give people a printout and it would be stop eating gluten, stop eating sugar, you know, cut back on dairy, and he would just send them out the door. And that can be really overwhelming for people. Um, so now, with health coaches built into the practice, we're able to sit with someone and explain to them, first of all, well, what is gluten? And what do I eat instead of the wrap that I have every single day for lunch, you know, or the sandwich that I have, or the pasta that I feed my family? So we're able to go into that level of detail, which is really different. You know, it's not, I don't think people expect to sit with their doctor and kind of go into that level of detail. Um, so the role of the health coach is perfect for that. And it's also not the best use of a doctor's time. So that's an issue as well. Um, and I think what's really nice is we've also kind of been through those struggles ourselves. We're real people, you know, so you're, Talking to a health coach is different than talking to a doctor. I completely understand when people drink a lot of coffee and are not excited about changing that. Um, I understand how hard that is, and like I have a lot of tools and tricks up my sleeve that can help them. Um, so that's kind of how it works. And as Jennifer said, in our practice, we are really integrated into the patient's experience. So when they come in for their first visit, there's always a health coach that sits in on that visit. Um, and then we uh, sit with them one-on-one -on -one afterwards and we go through the dietary changes. Um, so I think that that, it's just everything helps when a person feels very listened to and feels very acknowledged. Um, and then, you know, there can sometimes be a little bit of like, when they're sitting with a health coach, they might admit some things that they didn't admit <laughs> during that half hour or 45 minutes. It comes up all the time. And I'll be like, wait, did you tell the doctor that? Sometimes it's just, I mean, it can be crazy things like, oh yeah, I drink two liters of Diet Sprite a day. And it's like, well, and you have migraines and there's all of this aspartame. And like, so we have to, we have to, talk about this. Um, so it can be things like that, but it can also be like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention I had my gallbladder removed, or my vitamin D is really low, or you know, you can kind of pick up some missing pieces. I think it also allows just like time and space for a natural unfolding to happen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because sometimes when you're with a doctor, you know, even in our practice where they yeah. spend lots of time with Dr. Lippman, you know, there's a lot to talk about and he's asking questions and it just like creates some extra space allow people to kind of like open up and mm -hmm. and uh, and it, we were actually just talking about this yesterday I think um, something really valuable that the health coaches provide is belief you know like we have seen I mean probably hundreds of people who were like no way I am not giving up gluten go from there to being like oh my gosh I feel amazing and I'm so glad I did this so we believe in the transformative power and that belief creates a space for them to believe, 
And it's incredibly powerful. I mean, it sounds a little woo-woo, I guess, but yeah. I mean, we like, it's very practical, actually, and it, and it really works. Yeah, and I can give an example of a patient that I worked with recently. Um, she came in, and she didn't have the most serious problems, but she was pretty young, and she was having trouble sleeping. So she was taking like prescription sleeping pills at night. Um, and she was also having trouble losing weight. And, and then it did, we did kind of uncover that she was really literally having six cups of coffee every day. And it's just interesting because we're from a holistic perspective. So we understand, like we can see the relationship between all of that caffeine is messing up her sleep, uh, can lead to trouble losing weight, um, but it was really helpful for her to kind of have those connections pointed out. Um, and she, we were able to give her, or I guess it was me, like I was able to give her really personalized support around like changing that, like the coffee habit, because it's not just, like it's one thing for a doctor to say, well, stop drinking your coffee. Um, but it's another thing to just really sit with someone and say, well, what time of day do you have it? And what do you have? Because everyone has their patterns. It's like the espresso in the morning and then this at four o'clock. And so just uh, to be able to sit with her and kind of detangle some of that and work through that together was really helpful. And yeah, by the time she walked out the door, I was 100% positive that she could do it. And I knew it was important for her to do it uh, if she wanted to feel better. And I knew that she could, and I do think that holding that space for someone is really helpful. Um, and she's doing great. She's actually doing really well. So she's not taking the medication now. Uh, she went through those very unpleasant couple of days without the coffee. And I kind of helped her through that part. Um, and yeah, and then the weight loss is starting to happen also. Um, so it's nice to see those kind of, it's nice to see when everything starts to come together. Yeah, absolutely. I was working with a patient recently who, um, you know, there's a lot of confusion, obviously, about, I mean, there's many, many different dietary theories out there. There's a lot of confusion about, like, what is the right thing to do? And uh, we saw an older gentleman who was, um, he, he was having this problem where in the late afternoon, he would be at work and he would be in meetings and he would literally be nodding off, like, every day, falling asleep at the table at meetings and obviously that's a huge problem um, and and he from his perspective was eating very very healthy I mean he had a very clean diet um, but he was eating a lot of carbohydrates and not even gluten heavy carbohydrates he was eating a lot of rice he was eating a lot of quinoa he was eating a lot of vegetables that were starchy you know he wasn't eating too much meat he didn't have much healthy fats in his diet at all because he assumed that they weren't healthy or that there was no such thing as a healthy fat. Um, so, so Dr. Lippman was like, okay, woo, carbohydrates, get off of them. And he was like, well, what do I eat? You know? So then we were able to sit down and talk. His wife was there actually also. And, and we were able to kind of lay out a meal plan for the first, you know, small amount of time until you make that transition. You know, when you are breaking those ingrained habits, it's, it's hard. And having someone who knows how to do it is invaluable obviously. Um, and, uh, and so we basically, we got him off the carbohydrates and we uh, put a lot more healthy fats into his diet. And I saw him a few weeks later and I asked him how he was doing. He said it was like night and day. 
completely different energy levels, not having any more trouble at work. Now, I mean, in that case, we didn't even, I mean, Dr. Lehman didn't even really do any, there was no medicine, there was no supplements, really, you know, mostly it was just a change in his diet, and that made a huge difference. But could he have done it without the support of a health coach to sort of be there and hold his hand? And, you know, over the course of the couple of weeks, it's really frequently, you get lots of emails, like, can I eat this? Should I have that? What should I do instead of this? And having a direct line for someone to reach out to, it's funny because Dr. Lippmann actually gives his email address to all of his patients, but the vast majority of the time, the people that they reach out to are the health coaches because it feels more accessible, I think. Right, I assume right, that's what it right. is. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, this, it's really powerful stuff. And as health coaches, I think we should all be really empowered at the difference that we can make in people's lives. And when we're going to find doctors to talk to, which I actually just wanted to mention, if you're looking for a functional medicine doctor in your area, there's a website called functionalmedicine.org, and they have a find a practitioner feature. So you can use that to find someone in your area who's practicing from this perspective. But, you know, when you go in to talk to them, take ownership of the fact that you really can change lives. And it's just a matter of finding out how you can partner together um, that's really going to make it happen. Yeah, you can change lives and you can fill the gap in maybe the doctor's own knowledge um, or skill set of what they can offer patients. And then you can also save them so much time because that's a huge part of it. And I think if you're pitching yourself to a doctor, you really want to emphasize that, that it can just free up a lot of time, that they won't have to be answering those kinds of questions and explaining those kinds of things, and they won't have to be creating meal plans that are individualized for all of their patients. And that's a, that's a big help. I think that's a big advantage. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I would recommend, well, in our practice, what's happened is over the course of having this practice for so long, Dr. Lippmann has really been able to sort of narrow in on a protocol that's very easy to follow and uh, pretty easy to implement, and it makes the transition to living a healthier lifestyle pretty um, accessible. And, um, and we'll talk about that more in a second, but I think as health coaches, the more that you can figure out what that might be and provide it to the doctor that you're approaching, you know, go to that conversation with some ideas of this protocol that you can apply across the board to their patients, um, it's really useful. So what we do uh, in, in our office often is a cleanse as an entry point. Um, like I said, it's a very easy to follow protocol. It's very clear cut. Um, patients end up leaving it feeling, they feel good so much faster that it makes it easy to maintain the changes that they've made. Um, so that's really powerful. And um, we do, it's a two-week cleanse. And I think that two weeks is kind of like a magic time frame because it's short enough that you can keep people focused for that long. And it doesn't seem crazy intimidating to do it. I mean, the first time I did the cleanse, actually, I do have to confess, I was like, holy crap, 14 days. <sighs> okay. And, and people, people have that experience, but ultimately, it goes by very quickly. And once you get the ball rolling, it's, it's pretty easy to continue along. So then they come out of it feeling really empowered because they just did this thing. They're feeling so much better. It helps people to make good choices because it kind of really takes the decision-making out of the process. You decide to do it at the beginning of the two weeks. 
you have your instruction manual and you have your health code and then you just follow the instructions for two weeks. You don't have to decide every day at 4 p.m. if you're going to have a cookie because you're not because you're doing a cleanse. And, uh, and I think that's a big part of why it works so well. Um, you want yeah, to talk a little bit more about the... Basically, the cleanse that we use, there's a few key elements that any health coach can replicate in their practice. Um, so the first thing that we do is for the two weeks, everyone is following an elimination diet. And every health coach should know about elimination diets. It's actually a pretty standard protocol. And so what we do is we take out the foods, I call them like the troublemakers, like the foods that tend to cause problems, uh, the foods that are most likely to cause allergies, sensitivities, inflammation. So what they are would be um, the wheat, like gluten, dairy, sugar, uh, soy, the nightshade vegetables, like tomatoes and potatoes. Um, what else? Eggs are one of them, uh, some of the citrus fruits, and then caffeine and alcohol. So by following that, which for most people feels like a pretty strict diet, you know, unless someone comes in and they're eating really clean in the first place, for most people that's a pretty big change. Um, but again, you know, we just have to get them on board for two weeks. Um, and what happens is most people feel so much better. Um, and whatever symptoms they came through the door with, it's very highly likely that a bunch of them will start to clear up just through that diet alone. Um, so, you know, if they were overweight or low energy or had some weird skin rash uh, or their sleep wasn't great, whatever it may be, it's just very having digestive problems, especially um, joint pain. Yeah, it's very likely that things are going to start to clear up just by following that strict diet. And then, of course, when we're going through this with people, with clients or patients, um, we're, we're also telling them what they can eat. You know, so there's plenty of food that they can eat. Um, they're having protein. They're having vegetables and fruits and nuts. And, you know, there's like tons of... So we really emphasize that also because we want people to walk out the door not feeling deprived and not feeling like they have to go hungry. Um, so the diet is one part of it. Another part of it is we use um, some key supplements. Uh, we use digestive enzymes and those just help you break down your food better. So we're supporting digestion that way. We also use an herbal antimicrobial supplement. So what's that do? That's um, helping to wipe out bad bacteria from the gut. So a lot of people know about probiotics, and probiotics are great. They give you good bacteria, so they also help digestion. But with these um, antimicrobials, we're getting rid of bad bacteria, and that can make a huge difference for people. Um, because as if you're asking your clients about this, as you know, most people are dealing with some sort of digestive problems, whether it's bloating or constipation or gas. So we're really kind of trying to target that. Um, and the other thing that we're doing is we are giving three protein shakes a day. And those protein shakes include uh, nutrients to support the liver. So we're trying to support detoxification in the liver as and, well. And they also have lots of fiber. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you're detoxing, mm -hmm. you want to make sure that it's all leaving you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of 
that's a protocol that gives people a really good jump start. And then as a health coach, uh, the time, so the time when we're really important in that process is right at the beginning, getting them set up, help making sure they understand it, making sure they know what they can eat. Um, and then towards the end, so like on a 14 day cleanse, usually around day 10, that's when I kind of hear from people because they, they're feeling really good and they want to know how do I keep feeling this way? What do I do? Uh, so they were able to help them transition into the next phase. And then also with an elimination diet protocol, you're supporting people with reintroducing foods one by one so that they can identify if a particular food was causing a problem. And a great question uh, that I always ask, because people kind of know, I'll say, what food do you think it was that you took out that's like that was kind of messing with you? Or you know, the, what do you think made the difference? You're feeling so much better now, so what was it? And they usually know. Like they're like, oh, definitely dairy. You know, that, like, <laughs> you know my allergies completely cleared up uh, when I stay away from dairy. So you can just help them identify which foods were causing a problem. And I mean, they, like you kind of seem like a magician in this role. Um, and what you're doing is unbelievably simple. Um, and it's easy to replicate. And I mean, it just helps people so much. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, kind of along those same lines. So using supplements, obviously we use it a lot in the practice. We have Dr. Lippman there to be kind of the man behind the supplements. Um, as health coaches, it's a little bit of a gray area, um, but, but I think what every health coach can apply, even if they're not working with a doctor yet, is taking on the role of advocate for your clients. So if you're interested in using supplements and working with supplements, which I highly recommend because they can be so effective in helping people, um, you want to get really educated on them, obviously, if you don't want to be in the position of telling people what to take, what you should at the very least do is be in the position of telling people what to talk to their doctors about. Um, statins are a classic example. So many people are on them. We'll leave that at that. <laughs> um, but if they are on them, at the very least, they should be taking a supplemental CoQ10 um, because it's just it becomes completely depleted when you're taking statins your natural stock of it. Um, so you should be taking that. Um, you should be able to tell your patient or your client to talk to their doctor about that and at least have that conversation. You know, We have so much knowledge and although we don't sort of have this license of doctor behind us, um, you know, knowledge is really the key and you want to empower your clients to get informed themselves and to take a proactive role in their health care. In and of itself, can make all of the difference for them. So, um, so I really encourage you to kind of think of yourself in that role as being their advocate, even if you're not 100% sure that you know what you think might be good for them is good for them. Throw it out there and say, go talk to someone about this. I think it might help you. See what your you know this functional medicine doctor has to say, or see what your regular doctor has to say, or go out there and research it yourself and make a choice for yourself. Um, I think that's very much within our role as a health coach and our responsibility as a health coach to be sharing this information um, in that way. So, well, you want yeah, to... Yeah, <laughs> and there's another question that you may likely get asked a lot when you're working with clients, um, which is just the basic, like, wait, what are the supplements I should be taking?
And that's like a really vague question, so um, it may not, but there's actually kind of an answer that Dr. Lippman at least has. So I can share that with you and it may be useful. Um, he, he says that there's four key supplements that he recommends that people take every day. And what those are, are a good multivitamin, um, just to kind of fill in any gaps that if you're kind of missing something, you know, if you're taking a good quality multivitamin, um, that can be helpful. The next would be fish oil, which of course is such a good, important anti-inflammatory and important for mood. Um, the next is probiotics, uh, because again, in functional medicine, we're always starting with the gut and healing the gut. So bringing in those good bacteria is so important, and it's important for your immunity as well. And finally um, is vitamin D. And that's another one where I think you can really be an advocate for your clients. Uh, you have to tell your clients to get their vitamin D levels checked. And that is a blood test. Um, here in New York, we see epidemic low levels of vitamin D, and it's really important for so many bodily functions. It's actually a hormone. Um, so encouraging your clients to get their vitamin D levels checked and then making sure that they do supplement if their levels are low. Um, I know for me personally, my if I don't stay on top of it with like the pale skin and everything, my levels just, they plummet. Um, so that's a big one that I think you can just start to educate your clients about. Our website is, is really pretty good in terms of the amount of information that we're sharing. And if you're interested in, in sort of thinking more about how health coaching could fit into a doctor, you know, if you want to go and present it to someone, I would also recommend browsing around our website because our health coaches are really actively involved in the blogging as well. So you can kind of see what we're talking about, the perspective that we're coming from, the support that we're given. It's all kind of there underlying in, in our blog. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. that's a really good tool for people to use. You can kind of like take this little package that we've kind of made. The partnership of the health coach and the doctor is really pretty apparent through our, through our practice. So taking that to another doctor, I mean, we have a, we, we have a model that works really well. So I think I, uh, I speak for Dr. Littman in saying like, take it and use it because we want this to spread. I mean, you know, we want this sort of healthy revolution to happen. And, uh, and doctors aren't always the first on board, so sometimes they need a little help, and we have this like amazing, amazing crowd of health coaches, so let's do it. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, I am Dr. Melissa Wolf, and I am a board-certified obstetrics and gynecology physician with a Western medical background and a full-time clinical practice. I live in Montana, where I deliver babies, perform gynecologic surgeries, and see patients in my medical office. I graduated from IIN in winter of 2011, and during that program, I attended several conferences with other IIN students and graduates. And speaking with numerous health coaches at these events, I discovered that many coaches, unfortunately, have an underlying fear of physicians and are hesitant to approach them as collaborative partners despite the wealth of knowledge and assistance that health coaches have to offer. I have since made it my mission to empower health coaches to confidently approach and collaborate with physicians using the following 10 strategies, and I hope that you will find these helpful for use in your own practice. Number one, 
recognize your value. So many of the coaches I spoke with confessed that they were fearful of approaching physicians because, well, they were just a health coach. And I'm here to tell you that most doctors don't know what a health coach is or does, and I certainly didn't know before enrolling in IIS. Doctors also don't know about eating greens, alkalinizing a diet, or any of the other information taught at IIN. It's embarrassing, really, that I attended four years of medical school and four years of residency, where not once did I ever learn any of the information presented through IIN, and not once did anyone even mention that what a person eats might affect their general health. I uh, said at several conferences, and I, I say it again now, I would absolutely pit my knowledge up against any health coach in public to demonstrate how little I, as a physician, know about nutrition, health, and wellness. As a health coach, you know different information from the physician you are approaching. So it's absolutely true, you are not a doctor, and that is your strength. You can offer to help us physicians solve problems for our patients that we have not been successful treating ourselves. I, for example, as an OBGYN, often cringe when a woman mentions she's struggling with weight gain or libido issues. I can do a pap smear, I can discuss abnormal bleeding, but I often don't know what to say when people report problems with weight gain or libido, and I generally say something vague and unhelpful, like maybe you should join Weight Watchers or consider creating a date night with your spouse. If a professional person approached me and offered to help with these issues specifically, I would be ecstatic. The next time a patient mentioned this issue, I could hand her a brochure, advise her to contact you, and problem solved. By providing this service, you have saved me time and helped me navigate a difficult issue that I have no training in. So number one is recognize your value. Number two, doctors don't care about your credentials. They care about results. So at these various conferences, health coaches approached me and said, well, I'm afraid to talk to doctors because they're going to question me about my credentials. and." and I, I don't have a master's degree or a PhD or, or whatever. And, you know, I feel that you might be asked by a physician, what is a health coach or where did you train? And having a simple one or two sentence answer prepared for that is totally reasonable. For example, you might say, I trained at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. It is the largest nutrition school in the world. A health coach supports individuals and groups of people in making nutrition and lifestyle changes to improve their health, sort of like a personal trainer for physical fitness. Beyond that, there is likely to be very little interrogation. The doctor is probably going to want to know what specifically you can help with and how to make referrals, but they are really unlikely to start questioning you about your credentials, especially if you come prepared with materials to present. Ultimately, I feel that health coaches and doctors have the same goals but different tools. We both want to help people feel better, whereas I, as a physician, might offer solutions through pharmaceutical drugs or surgery because that is what I was trained to use. You might offer solutions through nutrition and lifestyle because those are the tools that you were trained to use. The end point of helping people feel better is the same. So number two, when doctors do not care about your credentials, they care about results. Number three, have to speak to the office manager. It's very unlikely that you're going to walk into a medical office, approach the desk, state your name, and subsequently meet directly with a physician. What I would recommend is to schedule a meeting with the office manager. So every, every physician office has a person in charge of the day-to-day -day runnings of the place, and this person, the office manager, generally feels all the requests for everything that affects the office providers, including the nurses and the physicians. If you meet with the manager, what you want to do is explain your services concisely and leave written information. The manager will then present what 
offer to the physician either at their scheduled physician meetings or individually. And speaking to an office manager can be much less threatening than speaking to a doctor directly. The other advantage is that you can reach out to more than one provider at a time as the office manager may represent a group of physicians. Additionally, the office manager knows the personalities of her individual physician and can likely tell you right away which, if any, doctors would be open to collaborating with health coaches or referring patients to you. So number three is that to speak to the office manager. Number four, get your pitch down to one sentence. This means that if and when you meet with a physician, you want to have prepared an explanation of how you can help in one sentence, such as, I specialize in helping women with low libido, or I work specifically with women who want to lose weight, or I work with people who have fibromyalgia. Doctors are busy. We, unfortunately, have very short attention spans. And quite frankly, we might have been up all night delivering babies or seeing patients in the emergency room when we meet with you. Don't feel the need to ramble on and on about the details of your program or your credentials. Basically, state clearly how you can help and how to contact you. Maybe state something like, if you have any patients who you feel might benefit from speaking with a coach about this issue, please give them my information. If a provider has additional questions, let them ask you. There is no need to try to sell the value of your program. It will speak for itself as you help patients. If you can explain how you can help in one or two minutes, that is a great advantage over all the other people who approach us for instituting programs in our offices. So number four is get your pitch down to one sentence. Number five, market yourself to the right audience. This means basically be sure that you're approaching the right type of physician. You don't want to try to pitch the benefits of your libido program to an orthopedic surgeon or the benefits of your hypertension program to a pediatrician. If you work with children, approach a pediatric or family practice office. If you work with women, approach an OBGYN. If you work with lowering cholesterol or fibromyalgia, consider speaking with an internist. I feel that, for the most part, you will find that generalists, such as family practice physicians, are the most approachable and open to your services. The more specialized a physician is, the more likely he or she might feel that they are an expert in their field and be threatened by you. Certainly, this is not true for all specialists, but I would consider approaching a family practitioner or an internist before taking on a cardiologist with your cholesterol-lowering program. The cardiologist is the most likely person to want to see scientific proof of your results more than other providers. The smartest strategy when approaching all providers basically is to offer something relevant to but different than what they provide. So you want to fill a need that they can't. The cardiologist might feel that he is already an expert at lowering cholesterol, so why does he need you? Whereas addressing libido or weight management in a gynecology office speaks to a topic that is relevant to gynecology but that we physicians don't know much about or might prefer to avoid. You also could consider that many offices have very busy mid-level providers. Mid-level providers are people such as physician assistants, midwives, nurse practitioners, and they often see as many if not more patients than any given physician. These people are typically the workhorses of the office and see more patients in the office because the physician might be off operating or seeing complicated patients in the hospital. You'll also find that mid-level providers are more approachable than physicians and have literally huge networks of patients that they can refer to you. Also, if you can help a few patients of the mid-level provider solve any given problem, the mid-level is going to take your success story back to their supervising physician and put in a good word for you. Each mid-level has a supervising physician. And 
each other fairly regularly. So if you can get in with the uh, mid-level, you generally will have an avenue or a road into the position as well. So number five is market yourself to the right audience. Number six, provide brochures that can be given to patients directly. I cannot stress this enough. I get so many letters on my desk with one business card and one brochure about various services, and most of the time I glance at them and then pass the card on to my nurse. I often never see the card again, and quite frankly, I forget what the letter said. If I have a patient in front of me who jogs my memory about a service, I ask my nurse to find the information and provide it to the patient. If she can find it, she then often gives away the one card or the one brochure we had, and away it goes. On the other hand, if you provide a stack of brochures that my nurse can put in her drawer that detail the services that you offer, how to contact you, then when a patient is in front of us who might benefit from a coaching referral, we can give them your professional brochure and still have some left for other clients. If you do provide brochures, then you also want to remember to check back periodically to see if the office needs more. Once we're out, we're typically not going to call you and request more. In my experience, a one-page color trifold brochure is much more effective than a business card with a name and phone number. Remember uh, what I said initially is that most doctors, including me, prior to IIN, have no idea what a health coach is. So if you hand a doctor a card that states your name and the word health coach on it, they won't really know what you do. And you're not likely to get referrals because it's too generic. If you have a brochure, however, that describes exactly what you do, I help women with fibromyalgia, the basics of your program and how to contact you, we can give this directly to patients and this will be far more effective and use much more often. So number six is provide brochures that can be given to patients directly. Number seven, send back a progress report. So when physicians refer patients to each other, we provide and expect a written progress report stating how the consultation went, what was advised, and how the patient responded. This is also true for patients we refer to non-physician providers such as physical therapy, counseling, or ultrasound. And if we make a referral, we expect a progress report or some type of follow-up communication. When you work with physicians or mid-level providers, if you use the same model, you are going to seem much more credible and professional. You don't have to write a page dissertation on how Mary is incorporating greens into her diet and tackling her issues with primary food, but a simple letter, even a form letter, is imperative. In fact, the shorter the letter, the more likely it will be read. I personally have several form letters typed in my computer that I use to send to all my consultation referrals for OBGYN. So an example might be, Dear Dr. So-and-so, I have the pleasure of meeting with Mary regarding her struggles to lose weight. She has enrolled in my coaching program, and I'm excited to work with her on this issue as I have been successful in helping other women with weight management. Thank you for allowing me to participate in the care of this patient. Please do not hesitate to contact me should you require additional information. Sincerely, Health Coach. Once you have completed your sessions with Mary, then you might consider sending another letter back to the provider to document your success. Every success story that the physician hears, either from you directly or from the patient herself, is going to generate more referrals to you. So you might have a letter that includes a sentence that says, uh, while enrolled in my coaching program, Mary lost 15 pounds and we are continuing to work together. You want to put this letter on formal letterhead and sign your name in ink at the bottom, and even one success story reported back to a physician will dramatically improve your credibility. So doctors love positive testimonials from their patients as much as anyone, and you can use this to your advantage. Another way to make yourself known to physicians using a similar strategy is to ask clients who you are currently working with if it is 
okay for you to send a letter to their primary care physician letting them know about your client's progress. This means if someone hires you as a health coach directly and they are successful in some way, so let's say they beat fatigue, they lose weight, they lower their cholesterol, or whatever their success might be, ask that person who their medical doctor is and if you can send a letter to that provider describing their success. Include your business card or a few brochures for your coaching program in the letter. So here's an example. Dear Dr. So-and-so, I have had the pleasure of working with your patient, Mary, over the past three months as a health coach. Mary approached me for help with her weight issues and stomach aches. As a client in my coaching program, I am excited to report that Mary has lost 15 pounds and no longer has stomach aches. Additionally, she reports that her mood and energy are much improved. I am honored to participate in the care of this patient and look forward to collaborating with you. In the future, please do not hesitate to contact me if you require additional information. I have included some brochures about my coaching program and my business card should you have other patients with weight issues, stomach aches, or fatigue you feel might benefit from a health coaching session. I offer free initial consultations and would be happy to meet with you or your patients anytime to discuss how I might be of service. Sincerely, Health Coach. So, number seven is send back a progress report, and this will truly increase the caliber and the quality of your reputation amongst physician collaborative partners. Number eight is dress professionally. I know this seems obvious, but uh, I really want to stress this point. If you want to be taken seriously as a health professional and collaborate physicians, then you really want to dress appropriately when you meet with them or enter their offices. And certainly the organic clothing, the hemp moccasins, the au naturel are all the rage, but this is not going to get you coaching client referrals. I encourage you, be yourself, let your unique personality shine through, but if you want to be taken most seriously amongst physicians, you want to tend towards conservative business casual. Anything that sends vibes of movie groovy or fringe is going to shut most MD physicians down immediately unless they themselves are dressed that way, which is generally rare. So even if you're stopping by an office for a split second to drop off some brochures at the front desk, you really want to dress professionally. The front office staff talks with the nurses, the nurses talk with the doctors, and making a good impression, a professional impression on the front office staff is of utmost importance. If you can impress these people at the front desk with courtesy and professionalism, you are much more likely to get face-to-face -face time with physicians or office managers, and quite frankly, this is a strategy that is used every day by pharmaceutical sales reps to get face time with physicians. I have a friend who is a former pharmaceutical sales rep, and he said that he attended specific trainings where they would advise the reps they couldn't speak to the physician directly to actually make friends with the front office staff, ask them about their families, ask them about their day, bring them candy. Not that I suggest you do this, but I do want to point out that it is an effective strategy used by the largest drug companies in the world. They actually train their reps to do this. So if you can dress professionally and interact with courtesy and professionalism to the front office staff, even if you're dropping out brochures, it is going to be a milestone in your success with those offices. So number eight is dress professionally. Number nine is that doctors are afraid of health coaches and other non-traditional healthcare providers. And this is true, why? Honestly, I think it's because that we are worried that you are going to badmouth us. So let's face it, most health coaches that I met at various events and my friends who are in alternative 
therapies, sort of non-traditional healthcare providers, basically do not love Western medical doctors, right? So generally, you yourself and the clients you might serve have probably been to numerous doctors who couldn't help you with whatever was ailing you, and you as a health coach might have answers that no one else did. You yourself might have had a less than ideal experience with one or more medical doctors, and we doctors know this, and we are afraid you're going to criticize us in our profession when working with our patients. So whatever negative experience you had with a doctor, please do not generalize this to all doctors, especially if you are working with a client referred to you by a physician. As I said initially, most MDs do not know any of the information presented at IIN. We know nothing about nutrition because we were never taught that food had anything to do with disease. And I know this sounds outrageous, but it is absolutely true. We don't tell Mary to stop drinking soda and start eating kale because no one told us these habits could have any effect on her health. And we doctors are eating junk food and soda all day long ourselves. Basically, in medical school, we were taught that high sugar foods are bad for diabetics and that high cholesterol foods are bad for people who have high cholesterol, but that's about it. Not once in medical school did I hear a discussion of food allergies, no discussions of the benefits of a plant-based diet, not one lecture on the possible harmful effects of processed foods, and certainly no discussion of anything related to food and inflammation in the body. I do vaguely recall learning something about calories and the metabolic difference between a protein, carbohydrate, and fat, but honestly, that's about it. So we physicians are not specifically withholding information from patients. It's because we haven't learned or haven't seen any scientific studies presented to us on these topics. So a lot of times people at at conferences that I met will tell me in exasperation, why, why didn't my doctor tell me about food? And quite frankly, it's because we really don't know. And so I encourage you, please be kind to your physician referral partners. The more that you can honor the tools that we offer patients as different tools, instead of wrong tools compared to what you offer, the higher success you will enjoy collaborating with physicians. So number nine is that doctors are afraid of health coaches. Number 10, ask if you can leave brochures in the waiting area. So when all else fails, what you want to do is ask the front office staff or the office manager if you can leave some business cards or brochures in the waiting area. Uh, So as many of you probably have already experienced, patients can wait for hours at physician reception areas. Imagine the power of a brochure sitting on a table that reads, Do you struggle with fatigue, low libido, or depressed mood? I can help. Call such and such number for a free initial consultation. So while Mary is sitting there getting angry that her physician is running late yet again, she can seemingly solve her own problem by consulting you. She will put your brochure in her purse, and if she doesn't like what her doctor has to say that day about her fatigue, she will probably give you a call for a free initial consultation as advertised. So even if you can't get face-to-face time directly with a physician, consider just leaving brochures in a waiting area. A lot of offices have common areas, reception areas. I know our mammography suite has a common area. That's not a physician office, but it's chock full of female patients awaiting their mammograms. So we reviewed 10 strategies to approach and collaborate with physicians. Number one, recognize your value as a health coach. Number two, doctors don't really care about your credentials. They care uh, more about results. Number three, try and meet with the office manager. Number four, really get your pitch down to one sentence. Number five, approach the right audience. Number six, provide information or brochures that can be given to patients directly and, and check back periodically to see if the office needs more. Number seven, send back a letter or a progress report on the patients who you are working with. 
Number eight, dress professionally. Number nine, remember that doctors are afraid of health coaches. And number 10, leave brochures in patient waiting areas. I hope this information has been helpful. I really want to encourage you to be bold, approach physicians, approach physician offices. There are hundreds of us out there. And while some physicians are not going to be interested or open to meeting with health coaches, a lot of physicians will be. And like I said earlier, I would encourage you to try and approach possibly family practice doctors initially. I feel that as a group, they're much more open-minded and likely to be willing to collaborate with you. But truly, you could approach any physician. You also might consider approaching your own physician if you feel comfortable and you already have an established relationship with that person. So please use these strategies to confidently approach physicians. Again, I am Dr. Melissa Wolf. I am in Bozeman, Montana, and I am an OBGYN. Thank you. Be Your Doctor's Go-To Health Coach by Melissa Wolf. 10 Tips for Approaching and Collaborating with Physicians 1. Recognize your value. As an integrative nutrition health coach, your skills can complement the services offered by physicians. You know things that might help where a doctor has previously been unsuccessful and you're likely to have more time available to connect with the individual two focus more on results than credentials health coaches and doctors have the same goals but use different tools to achieve them doctors will be more interested in your success helping patients than the details of your training three ask to speak to an officer manager Meet with a manager to explain your service and write and leave right information or written information they will present that you have to offer to physicians. This will feel less threatening than approaching doctors directly. 4. Get your pitch down to one sentence. Doctors are extremely busy. Simply state how you can help and how they can contact you. 5. Make yourself to the right audience. Approach physicians who work with your target market. Talk to nurse practitioners and physician assistants. They may have the ability to reach more people. 6. Provide brochures that can be given directly to patients. Give the doctors a stack of brochures to hand out when a patient presents the issues you work with. Remember to check back periodically to restock. 7. Send a progress report. When a doctor makes a referral, he or she expects to be updated on the progress of the patient. It should be a short but formal letter that identifies the patient's results or status. 8. Dress professionally. 
business appropriate attire will help project your professionalism which will increase confidence in your skills nine appreciate the tools you each have to offer remember that health coaches and physicians have different training and skill sets never speak negatively about the doctor you're working with you will look unprofessional and may inadvertently make the patient feel bad as well 10 ask if you can leave brochures in the waiting room if you can get through a doctor or to a doctor or support person in a particular practice ask if you can leave materials in the waiting room if a patient isn't happy with the doctor says they may take a brochure and call you in this segment we're going to go why work with doctors what challenges need to be considered how you can work with them who are the best ones to approach where to find them how to approach them and what exactly do you say and do so that's what you're in for so first of all why so to answer that i'm going to give you a glimpse into the world of the doctor and where you fit in perfectly and to do that i'm going to do it from my perspective both as a medical doctor of over 25 years and also I'm one of you. I'm an IIN health coach. And just to give a little background on my background, I'm a Canadian and American board certified radiologist turned lifestyle medicine specialist and holistic entrepreneur. I have an online health practice. I've written a book on superfoods. I'm a former chair of public health and assistant professor of medicine. So many patients, so little time to guide people to a healthy lifestyle. Are you ready to fill the gap? I want you to imagine what would it be like to work with a doctor? Picture that. What would that do for your business? What would that do for your life? So my mission has always been to help people live their longest, healthiest, happiest lives. That led to medical school and ultimately to diagnostic imaging, where every day I got to see inside people's bodies. And I observed that at least 70% of everything I imaged could have been prevented with a healthy lifestyle. But I was frustrated watching people destroy themselves in front of my eyes, and it didn't have to be this way. The Lancet says 71% of deaths are due to diet and lifestyle factors. We can play a big role here. We really can. So don't try to do the work of the doctor. Let them do that. And instead, do the life-saving work that hardly anyone is doing. There's 1.7 million deaths a year due to inadequate fruits and vegetables. Even the newest of newest health coaches can make a serious dent in this number. So where do most people go when they don't feel well? To the doctor. Except most medical schools have less than 20 hours of nutrition. Half of them don't address exercise at all. Less than a third even have a single course on nutrition. And there's no requirements for nutrition to get into medical school. Now, I went to nutrition, studied nutrition before I went into medical school, but I was the only one in my class. So doctor, before you're like, these doctors don't know anything, before you condemn them, Doctors need to know and do know a lot, and they are extremely strapped for time, often at the expense of their own health, 
with their, and time with their family. And the required knowledge of these technological advances that are happening at a faster and faster rate that they have to know has crowded out nutrition. So I want you to consider me as a doctor in the system and me as a lifestyle you know, health coach, an IAN health coach. I know, compare and contrast. And so just to give you a glimpse into that world, I was doing one and two call, which meant I was on call 24-7 for a whole week, and then the other week, I didn't get it off. I worked full-time the intervening week. And that repeated, and I missed Christmas mornings with my kids, tuck-ins at night. I missed so much. As an intern, we did 36-hour shifts, not a week, in a row. <coughs> and often we didn't have any breaks let alone coffee breaks, or even meal breaks, and we grab what we could from the vending machines late at night. So let me ask you, who are you likely to get the best lifestyle advice from? The burnt-out doctor, a victim of the system themselves, or a health coach? You know, when I saw these films of cows being mistreated, and I had an instant flashback to medical school where you take these bright, caring individuals who want to heal the world. They truly do. I started medical school with them. And then you deprive them of their basic needs. Food, water, time with loved ones, daylight, sleep. And then expect them to come out the other end of these really caring, generous people. It's not going to work. So doctors are overworked, they're exhausted, they need to know a lot, but they can't know everything. But they're expected to be an expert on everything. For example, how many of you have heard, see your doctor before embarking on any health program. Ask your doctor if it is right for you. Consult your doctor before starting anything. So what does this mean for you? Well, I got good news and bad news. So we're going to start with the bad news. Doctors take an oath, primum non nocere, first do no harm. It is easier, safer, and less legal trouble for doctors to just say no to dietary plans, herbs, supplements, and you. Because they're legally responsible for the advice they deliver. They're not responsible for nothing. And they don't have time to investigate all of these things appropriately. So now for the good news. It is impossible for doctors to know everything about everything. And that is why we refer to specialists. And this is where you come in. So rather than be annoyed at the limitations of the doctor and the medical system, love them for it. Health coaches to the rescue, bridging the gap between medicine and healthy living. So this is a critical life-saving gap that you can feel expertly. So you are a perfect fit. This is the job that you've been trained to do. So own it. Be a professional. Lifestyle change, as you know, requires support, accountability, mindset shifts, attention to primary food, and this cannot and should not be delivered in a 15-minute doctor visit. So doctors are just like you. They honestly want what's best for the patients. They want to heal, and they use the best tools that they have to help them. 
So doctors and health coaches have access to different tools. Now, in an acute situation, my heart stops, put the paddles to me. And acutely, I'm going to want that doctor. But chronically, which we've already talked about, is the vast majority of cases, that's where you come in. Diagnostically, doctors have access to really expensive tests and sophisticated technology to diagnose. But preventatively, that's where you come in. And therapeutically, both play a role. And there's obviously some overlap, but those are the general rules. So doctors are used to referring to trusted specials and allied health professionals. So for example, they'll refer to an oncologist or a physiotherapist. They're used to that. So be that professional. Do not underestimate your role as a health coach. It is different, but it's every bit as powerful. I'm going to share a story of my dad. This was from the summer of 2016. And he suffered a massive stroke. And the doctor said, they showed me, the radiologist, daughter, the brain scan, and they said, they're very sorry, he cannot survive, there's nothing that they could do. Being a radiologist, I saw those images, and what they were saying was correct. It wasn't malpractice. They're right. That was such a massive stroke. There was nothing that the doctors could do. And typically, yes, he would die. Fortunately, I'm not just a doctor. I'm also a health coach. And so health coaches have access to other tools. But I did everything. And when you help them eat for energy so that they can make use of the physiotherapy, when you pay attention to sensation, when you do some of these things, long story short is he walked out of there on his own two feet 35 days later back home with my mom and he just celebrated his 84th birthday. Ironically, if I was only, only a doctor, I could not have helped my dad. And so I'll be forever grateful for IIN and everything that I've learned along the way. So globally, people are dying and suffering from chronic disease, and the world needs you. You really can make an important difference. But most of the world and doctors don't know you exist. So how can you work with doctors if they don't know you exist? Well, you're probably going to have to take the first step forward, at least for now, because you know what, guys? You're pioneers. 150 years ago, there were no x-rays. There were no radiologists. Things can evolve rather quickly in the big scheme of things. And right now, you're on the leading edge. So doctors, you can have two basic categories of how you can work with doctors. One, you have your own business, and the doctor is an awesome referral source to your existing business. Or, and in that case, it's like they're referring to a specialist or some other allied health professional. We'll dive deep in a minute. Or it could be as a paid member of an existing healthcare team. Currently, that's much less common, but it can happen. And even within that, there's lots of options. You could be salaried, you could be paid per hour, per client, per job, per workshop, per cooking class. Sometimes in that scenario, you might have your hours set for you, and they might tell you when you have holiday time or not, or some other mutually agreeable arrangement. So you would meet with your client, 
either in person or virtually. So sometimes that's in the doctor's office and you're actually in the doctor's office with them or maybe in the doctor's office but in a separate office of your own or at a wellness facility in your home, in their home doing house calls or some other existing workspace or virtually. So you would do phone appointments, that's what I do, and I'll share that in a moment, or online, I do that as well. Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, if you want face-to-face, -face, or like overseas is great for that. So what are some examples of what this could really look like? So one option is you could carry out doctor's orders. So in this case, you have a doctor who's knowledgeable about nutrition, they know what to do, and they're also liable for what they're recommending. And then you follow through with the practical application. So for example, they'll say, I want this patient to eat gluten-free or dairy-free. And then you help the patient do that. You show them how to eat on holidays, on a budget, in a hurry, how to lose weight, where to grocery shop, where hidden sources of sugar are, meal planning, all those things that you know how to do. And you don't have to do all of them. You do the things that you like to do. The other option is you carry out your own coaching program. You have your coaching program now, it is in place, and you work your magic and the doctor refers to you. You can show them how to detox or mindfulness, meditation, stress relief. You can show them how to get more activity in their life, how to improve their relationships, and then help them with the accountability and support that's required. Now, I just, I love integrative nutrition for its ability to allow people to think outside the box. The whole point is so that you can be the best you you can be. My little version of that is my tagline is be good for you. So I want you to consider some other options perhaps. So what if you did services for doctors and patients perhaps? Maybe yoga classes, meditation classes, when I attended Integrative Nutrition, I attended the live classes. And one time when I was in New York, I also attended an event where Donna Karen, the fashion designer, was at. And I was talking to her, and she was saying that at the top floor of Sloan Kettering, they had this meditation room, and that it was meant for the cancer patients, but the interns would go up there. And I thought, how fantastic is that? Imagine, imagine that. What if you not only help the patients, but the doctors and the interns as well? And then you have a really great ripple effect. So maybe you teach meditation classes, or cooking classes, or lunch and learns, or other workshops. Or how about you show them how to do self-care? Or if you're ambitious, overhaul the food in the hospitals or clinics. Or maybe open a juice bar. Maybe it's music therapy, or pet therapy, or art classes. Doesn't all of a sudden working with doctors seem just a little less scary? If you can do what you're called to do, do what you love to do the most, operate in your zone of genius. What is your zone of genius that you love to do? And that's what I call be good for you. So an example of how I get referrals from traditional doctors is the doctor will send a patient to me, and the patient has, for example, high blood pressure, obesity, fatty liver, borderline diabetic, something like that. And this is what they tell their patient. The doctor gives their patients, let's, for example, three months to, quote, fix it on their own before they're going to start on medications. And then they could just send them on their way, but they let them know about me. If they're going to fix it on their own anyways, 
check out this website, or they could hand a business card. The patient then contacts me directly, which is great because I don't want to work with anyone who doesn't want to be worked with. And then I customize a plan and follow and coach them through healthy lifestyle changes, and then they follow up with their doctor. Now, why I like this setup is because I got flexible hours. I work when I want, with who I want, how I want, and I like it that way. I like to be my own boss. And it's very easy for a busy doctor who's very new to health coaches to be able to reach out. It doesn't cost them anything, not their time, because it's just say, here, go there. They could say go to Weight Watchers, they could say go to the gym to lose weight, or they could say, like they told my dad, don't come back until you lose 40 pounds, and then he never went back. I mean, that's not helpful. They need something else so they can point them in your direction. And it's they're not liable for it. I mean, it's my coaching business, and the patient contacted me. So they're no more liable than if they had said, you know, you should get more exercise and refer them to a gym, and the gym had faulty equipment. Well, that's not the doctor's fault. And it's patient-initiated. So those are some of the advantages. So in this scenario, I'm responsible for my recommendations. I'm not interfering with what the doctor's currently doing. I'm working with the doctor, not against them. I help the patient follow, patient follow the doctor's general recommendations. And then the doctor observes the benefits, and that leads to more referrals. I had a gastroenterologist who said uh, to this client, your you know, keep doing what you're doing. Your liver functions are down to normal. And by the way, what are you doing? And so have your clients brag on your behalf to the doctors and you can get more referrals. Plus, even with their own patients, as they get off their blood pressure medications or whatever the case may be, you're going to get more people sent your way. So then I would act as a liaison between the doctor and the patient, taking the time to explain and implement the powerful lifestyle choices. So that's my method of operation for that. But you could also work with doctors who already have health coaches. That's great. Just follow what they already have in place. Or the doctor has a specific protocol or template, like the Dr. X diet or the detox protocol. And then they already know what they want. You just follow through on those general recommendations. So who are the best doctors to collaborate with? Well, your own doctor is great. Uh, you know them, you can get an appointment. One of your client's doctors or someone who's observed what you can do, like I just mentioned. Integrative, functional, holistic, naturopaths, chiropractors tend to be more open. And then any doctors in the community that get nutrition and get you. We've actually heard from some, I mean, previously, I mean, way back, I think I was one of the very few doctors, and you're seeing more and more and more of them. So there are, they are out there. You just might have to hunt for them. So remember, you don't need to know everything about everything. You don't need all doctors. You don't have to convince them. You don't even need many doctors. One doctor or a doctor group can keep you fully booked, and it's easier to connect with one doctor than 100 clients so that you can do what you love to do, the coaching aspect, and not so much about finding people to talk to. Okay, so where can you get these great referral sources? Your doctor, as we mentioned, your client's family or friend's doctor, a doctor as a health coach, or wellness or integrative sources, or you could look online as well and see, is there someone in your area or niche of expertise? And then just yesterday, I was hearing about a doctor where the health coach is really a high-end health coach. They act, and if you can do this, you're golden. So the patient will see the health coach first. 
the health coach does the health history, which is pretty much like the doctor would do as a health history anyways, only it saves them a ton of time. You save that doctor time, and they, you will have them. You will have them. That's what they want. That's why they have medical students and residents. It's kind of acting like that. Because patients talk all around about this, that, and the other thing. And if you can make it concise, here's the symptoms. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I recommend. They're going to love that. So how do you approach them? With confidence but not arrogance. You want to have a mutual respect, value, and trust in each other's perspective. Stay in your own lane. Don't try to do the work of the doctor. Let them do that. They're responsible for that. And then be prepared and concise. So remember, they haven't probably heard of you. They may have no idea how you can help them. They don't want a liability or expense because they took that oath. And they don't want to be undermined. And they have no time to talk. And they have these gatekeeper receptionists who help protect them from all of these extraneous requests like you. So how do you do this? Well, the, the other thing is they do want compliant patients. I'm going to come back to that word in a moment. They do want the best results for their patients. They do want more time. So that's why I said that other example works really great. You find a way to get the doctor time and you'll have them. And focus 100% on what's in it for them. If you're talking about your whole health history, you're, you, no, they're going to, it's like they've got enough patients, they don't need another one. So make use of any natural organic connections. If you got a friend, if you know somebody, get a foot in the door, make use of that. Be professional and positive. Have a professional resume at least handy. Have references or written testimonials available. And then book an appointment with your doctor or send a letter or an email or make that in-person connection. So what exactly do you say and do? So if you have a face-to-face -face meeting, First, you want to acknowledge and compliment them, genuinely compliment. Only work with doctors you want to work with, so why do you want to work with them? So you can say something like, I, like, I really appreciate how you cared for our family, or I really appreciate that you get that nutrition makes a difference. And then ask some questions. So here's an example of how a typical conversation could happen. And use your own words, make it your personality. But you can say, you know, I really appreciate that you've taken care of our family and that you, you understand nutrition. So you know how you want your patients to eat healthy and be active, but they just don't follow through and they'll nod? So I fix that. I coach people to live healthy and follow doctor's orders. And I, and then whatever you do, give them healthy recipes, talk through emotional eating, provide support and accountability so they can get better results and be healthier. Now, I know doctors don't have time to handhold people through this, but I love it, and patients love it, and they really do get results. Would you be open to taking a look at my brochure and seeing if this might be of great benefit for some of your patients? I highlighted a couple of words. Okay, so just inside the brain of the doctor, there's a little switch. And it's like, I have no time, I have no time, I have no time. It's a default. So when you say, would you have time to look? No. Could, when you get a moment, no. They're never going to have time, and they're never going to take a moment. And would you take the time? No. The answer is going to be no. They're not even going to hear the rest of what you say. But if you say, would you be open to taking a look at my brochure? Well, nobody really wants to be closed-minded. So that's a little bit of an answer. So would you be open to taking a look at hand them something, hand them something physical if you can, like a brochure, not lots of words, something that gets to the point, some bullet points. Because here's the thing, in the moment, they really aren't really hearing what you're saying. They don't have time. And 
might have to say you've got three weeks to live and somebody else has cancer and some and at the end of the day they don't even remember that you stopped by if you say go check out my website they won't they won't go there so instead if you hand them a brochure and they're like okay and if you say would you be open like what are they going to do they're going to take it right they might intend to put it in the trash and maybe they do but they're at least going to put it on their desk and they don't have time to put it in the trash so it's going to sit there and then on their way home or at the end of the day they'll be like what's that crazy girl talking about and they'll look through it and they'll like hmm and if as a doctor if somebody did that i would then look at it so make it kind of eye-catchy colorful professional and you could attach a resume as well and then here's another buzzword Many of doctors feel this is great to increase patient compliance. Doctors get frustrated, they make all these recommendations, and then the patients don't follow through. They're non-compliant. So if you can help people follow doctor's orders, they're gonna like that, because then they'll have to tell the patient once and they do it, right? So maybe I should have a health coach for my kids. I digress. So you could also tell them I'm trained and certified by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. My work doesn't interfere with what you already have in place, but rather I teach patients how to follow through with a healthy lifestyle, which is important, but they just don't know how. And then just be quiet and let them respond. And ask them, when would be a good time to follow up? And keep it short, two days to a week. Three weeks, they're gonna forget. And if they're not open, like they might be really in a bad way. Remember that ugly face of mine, okay? Like I don't really have time to take on extra stuff at that point. But find a convenient way to stay in touch. Some of my doctor referral sources are on my newsletter list. So every week I'm top of mind for them. Sending them a little thing about a food. So if you can get them on there, if they're interested in finding out more about you, see if they can get on your list. If you only have your email, you can s send a letter and a brochure attached. Brainstorm, brainstorm why you want them, uh, how you could benefit them first. Research as much as possible about their practice and the type of patients, especially if you're a good fit, like if they talk about adrenals or thyroid or if you, if you match up, that's great. So you want to create a compelling short email, focus on what's in it for them, bullet point benefits or maybe an idea of how you can help them, how you can, they can reach you, but then when you will follow up with them, because they're not gonna follow up with you. Okay, so you follow up with them, maybe 48 hours. Okay, so now what I want you to do is, we've covered all sorts of types of doctors and how you can work with them. So I want you to talk to your neighbor and I want you to ask these three questions. So what do you like best about the idea of working with doctors? Do you like some of the thinking outside the box ideas or some of the traditional ideas? Which one resonates with you? As I'm talking, was there a doctor or a health professional that you're thinking, ooh, I should really talk to them? And then when could you reach out to them? Because you know, Monday comes, you're gonna forget all about me and this whole talk and that's it. So write that down. So basically, just like who's excited to work with doctors? It's doable, right? Make it work for you. Hi everyone, I'm Wendy with the Education Department. In this class, we'll talk about starting your own ripple effect and being entrepreneurial, which may not mean you move forward with becoming an entrepreneur, but rather you apply your entrepreneurial skill set to whatever projects you take on in your future. I'm here to tell you that you are all, in fact, entrepreneurial. 
We'll discuss the fundamental mindset of entrepreneurship, the obstacles every single one of you will experience, and how to manage those obstacles. I want to demonstrate that you've already started along your entrepreneurial path without realizing it. No matter who you are, regardless of your background or training, and whether you know what you want to do with your education, your goal is to unlearn what you thought about being entrepreneurial and relearn how to focus on opportunity. Everyone has what it takes to be entrepreneurial. So, let's set the foundation with a brief description of entrepreneurial. Being entrepreneurial is being self-inspired and self-led. You see a need and you appoint yourself to do something about it. It may or may not be about starting a business. It could be around community activism or taking initiative around the house. Within corporations, someone with this trait of taking initiative is called an intrapreneur because they're showing the qualities of an entrepreneur, but they're working within someone else's company. Now I'm going to show you how you've already exemplified entrepreneurship, so you can tap back into that experience as you explore the opportunities made available to you in the rest of your IIN experience. I figure most of you have used a recipe to cook before, so I'm going to use this as an example. When you decide to try a new dish, most of us will research recipes before moving forward with one. We'll read some recipe books, surf around the internet, ask our friends for recommendations. Eventually, you'll decide on a strategy, and then you'll go get your necessary tools or poke around the pantry to see what you already have. Then you cook. You make the recipe. You employ your old ingredients or new, and you just do it. You don't call reading recipes cooking. Cooking is when you're mixing and heating and forming the ingredients into a new substance. And voila! You've just demonstrated an entrepreneurial initiative. If you can remember how it felt to do all of that, tap back into that memory and apply it to this initiative. You're here because you want to influence the well-being of others, your family, community, or future clients. There are numerous ways to spread your love of wellness in others. You can talk about it, write about it, show it, do it. Bio-individuality comes into play here. You'll find your way of talking, writing, showing, doing. Personality preferences have a huge influence on making the impact you want to have and will help you find the best way for yours throughout the rest of the curriculum. Because this is all about you as the source of creating the impact, your action or inaction dedicates the quality of your ripple. So respect your time and your energy. Entrepreneurial mindset adapts to change and is confident a solution is always waiting to be discovered. I know for me, when I think of really famous entrepreneurs with their super inspiring stories, they all seem so disciplined and dedicated. And guess what? Developing discipline and dedication is profoundly deep, but it's a strikingly simple process. IIN is staffed with entrepreneurs, so we've broken down our top recommendations for an entrepreneurial mindset. Number one, decide. Decide you're doing it. Whatever it is, it's as simple as saying in your head, okay, I'm doing this. <laughs> Apply the process of making the decision to any choice that comes your way. I'll use an example of deciding to start a health coaching business. In this case, you decide you're starting a health coaching practice <clears throat> and you're deciding to immerse yourself in whatever it takes to make this happen. I'm pointing this out because we have a lot of students that wait for their business to happen to them rather than being proactive about it. 
It's like a fork in the road. You've got to choose a direction and go. The road won't choose the path for you. Back to the example of starting a business. If you think you'll play around with the tools a little and just see how it goes, or maybe just ride the wave and see where it takes you, your experience will be much less enjoyable. That's you trying to give control to the factors outside of you. Not empowering. There's no circumstance or accident that will make the decision for you. You are in complete and utter control of this decision. This will make a world of difference as you manage your time commitments and start making fundamental business decisions. We could get into the nitty gritty of making a decision, like deciding to what extent you're dedicating yourself to your project. Are you deciding to do whatever it takes at whatever the cost? Are you deciding to have a limit to your dedication? And where is that limit for you? Are you deciding to do only a little bit? Well, then what's a little bit? But you'll define these pieces when you set your goals. Put your life on paper and define for yourself how much you can give and how far you can go. Remove any feelings of obligation. Any shoulds should take their seat outside. They aren't part of this process. Seeing how it works, not part of the process either. You know your gut, you know your drive. That is your decision. Here's why the decision itself is so powerful. Making the decisive statement that you're going to do it shifts your thought patterns and focuses your mind on searching for solutions. Whatever this initiative is for you, decide to do it and do it with full integrity. Point number two, if you want to be taken seriously, commit to being a professional about it. You have two options, either to be an amateur or to be a professional. This comes from a book by Stephen Pressfield called Turning Pro. He says that becoming a professional is about deciding to be a professional and then acting like one. An amateur gets around to it when they feel like it. An amateur puts it off in pursuit of something else. An amateur talks about it a lot, but never takes action. It's okay to be an amateur, but recognize you're doing it and then decide to behave differently if you want to be different. When I say professional, I don't mean that you have to make a full-time career out of your project. It just means that you apply the discipline and the respect of a professional to your endeavor. Respect commitments, honor the process, show up. When you respect your commitments, you send emails when you say you're going to send them. You keep appointments, you stick to your time management calendar, and you make time to plan. When you honor the process, you follow the steps you know you need to take even though you may not think it worth it or necessary. Sometimes the thought of doing the next step makes you feel tingly. You think that means you're scared, so you don't do it. Well, that's not honoring the process. That tingly feeling is excitement. So enjoy the ride. Do what you know to be the next step. This goes for any interaction. Respect and honor the process, and you will experience wholeness and completion as a new theme in your life. When you show up, you make an effort. For instance, let's say you schedule time to work on your business tomorrow afternoon, spending an hour writing a blog, but when the time comes, you don't really feel like it. Well, a professional sits down and writes that blog anyway, because that's what a professional does. Mindset point number three, spend your energy strategically. This is where priorities, intentions, and goals have a huge influence. We've all had points in our lives where we've decided something is or isn't worth our energy. When you pursue an endeavor like a business or an activism project, your time, mental capacity, and energy becomes currency. 
Where you spend all of these speaks to your priorities. They are limited resources and valuable resources. We can easily get wrapped up in conflicting priorities and energetic expenditures. So, when we talk about setting intentions and goals, it's a serious process. You'll have hard decisions to make, and keeping your intentions or goals in your direct line of sight will make the decision clearer. Not necessarily easier, but clearer. Another aspect of your energetic currency is attaching judgment to everything. There's just no need for that. It's not productive or constructive. It's a pattern that can be reset, and it will free up so much energy for you. I'm speaking specifically to working for yourself or managing yourself as a leader of any project. It's a vulnerable process, and you'll find yourself trying to attach a judgment to failures or inadequacies. The chatter in your head, or maybe that of a close family member, will try to find meaning in it, tell you to give up your little experiment, because this obstacle is clearly telling you that your little business dream isn't supposed to happen. Frankly, most of the time, the situation just is. If it didn't turn out the way you wanted, it's cues for self-improvement and what to do differently next time. Point number four, accept the process. We know that for many of you, initiating an entrepreneurial venture is very new. I'm going to do my best to explain the process, but it's so simple that it might be confusing. But here goes. Managing yourself brings about a lot of resistance. It's like a tree with a shadow. Coming up with an idea means the creation of an equal resistance. Your mind will be flooded with distractions, errands to run, corners to dust, books to read, new websites and blogs and cartoons to share. This is resistance. Procrastination, perfectionism, doubts, feelings of inadequacies. Accept now that the process of creating something from nothing involves resistance. It doesn't mean anything other than you're on the right track. Every single creator experiences resistance. Welcome to the club. Getting caught up in the meaning of procrastination is exactly what resistance wants you to do. So you can tell it to sit tight, you'll entertain it when you're done. Another part of accepting the process is becoming aware of the behavior of creation. This is similar to artists that paint or sculpt or write. When creating, you deep inside yourself and bringing a piece of you to life. Inspiration plays a key part in deciding which piece to bring to life. Traditionally, society has romanticized a concept of inspiration. We invite it to anoint us with a brilliant idea. We enjoy the process of being inspired, so we hang out in this pre-inspiration state of mind. But let's come back to Earth and talk about the reality of inspiration. Inspiration likes to get stuff done. It responds to action. When you want to be inspired, make something. It sounds counterintuitive, but this process is called learning how to act in anticipation of inspiration. You will definitely not feel inspired all the time, so know that creative energy responds to making the effort, going through the motions. Believing you need that rush of creative inspiration is a myth. Which brings us to the last piece in the creation process, doing the work. It's an obvious but much overlooked part of the process. Now, I'd like to make a distinction between the busyness in your head, between thoughts and chatter. This is also from Stephen Pressfield's book, Do the Work. Chatter is what constantly runs through our minds. It's what we get tangled up in. It's things adults told us not to do or how to behave when we were growing up. 
It's all the negativity ever thrown your way. It's the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and the background noise. Chatter keeps you immobilized. These are not thoughts. Thoughts bring proactivity. Thoughts bring action. Thoughts support doing the work. So doing the work is pretty simple. You just do it. Yes, stuff will be going on in your head, but chip away at what you can. And this leads me to point number five. Work is a practice. It's like yoga. I know this is an analogy that most of you can at least keep up with, so I'm going to go with it. In business, showing up is a practice, just like in yoga. Breathe through the resistance like a challenging pose. And that breath turns fear into acceleration. When you're committed to a yoga practice, you show up, no matter how weak you feel that day. No judgment, no competition. It's just a consistent evolution. Bad days are nothing. They happen, but they don't mean anything. This is also true when building a business. And finally, mindset point number six. You're the source of your reality. People will take you as seriously as you take yourself. And by that I mean, take what you do seriously, not yourself. Always be ready to laugh at yourself, even when doing life-challenging work. In this process of creating something from nothing, you'll feel you need validation from your close inner circle or clients to feel like a professional or to feel legitimate. This is seeking outside validation for fulfillment. In business, you will be treated by others as you treat yourself. Each point in this class before this one shows you how to take your initiative seriously. These are the elements of entrepreneurial behavior that get deep results and make a space for fulfilling experience. I could simply say ignore what others think, but in addition to that, value what you think of yourself. For most of you, this class will develop your mindset for starting a business. For some of you, your entrepreneurial behavior will become about leading a project with your family or your community in more of an activist role. Whatever you do with your education and inspiration, the points I brought up in the class support the commitment and dedication that you'll need to create your own ripple effect. Since I've mentioned making the decision to do whatever you want to do, you're probably already experiencing a lot of chatter in your head about what you're not good at and how your situation would need to change in order to accomplish your pie-in-the-sky idea. A lot of these thoughts are probably starting with ifs, buts, onces. If I were more blank or less blank, I could do that. I would try blank, but blank. Once blank happens, I'll be in a better position to do that. A big one we hear a lot from students is once I know enough about nutrition, I'll feel more confident to see clients. And that is just an excuse to put off the unknown. You don't need to know everything about being a health coach. Knowing everything is irrelevant to being an influential coach. You only need to know what you know right now. Your gift is simply your presence. You are what you do, exercise. You are not the story to tell yourself you are not what you think or how you feel. You are what you do. Your actions, not just your thoughts, bring you to your goals. It's all about commitment and consistency in taking inspired action that aligns with your goals. Think about getting fit. Most people aren't born with amazing physical fitness. They begin with the process when they start making small changes. They move through fear or of failure. 
and take inspired action. They eat more greens, exercise, and commit to their goal. Then, they practice these principles on a daily basis. Through continuous action, they achieve greater fitness one day at a time. The beauty of this realization is that simply doing something differently regardless of your thoughts, feeling, or fears defines who you are. There are there is a power in acknowledging that regardless of past or lack of actions, you can always choose to do something differently. Create your ripple effect. To get the most out of the program, it is essential to uncover how your education at IIN synchronize with who you are. That way, you can discover your capability for influencing the world. Complete the exercise on the following pages to help outline the action steps you can take to not only embody who you wish to be built to be but to create the ripple effect that you are here to make. 1. List three qualities you want to embody. For example, success, commitment, and altruism. 2. What actions, skills, or behavior do you need to take to attain them? For example, spread, spreading your message. 3. Break down the actions, skills, and behavior into small daily goals. Focus on one each day. They, they can be small, but do something every day. For example, call the local chamber of commerce to see how to get involved in the business community. Write my blog or my first blog post. When you decided on your big goal, create a mission statement with action steps such as, I want to be a successful integrative nutrition health coach. I will get more clients by spreading, spreading my message. Today, I will call the local chamber of commerce to see how I can get involved in the business community. Tomorrow, I will write my first blog post. Transformation check-in. Mark your calendar for one after starting your daily actions to work toward your goal. At the end of the month, review your progress. Evaluate how far you've come by taking one step each day. Keep doing what's working. If this exercise is useful, keep it up.
Education does not only mean acquiring new knowledge, but it also means to draw knowledge out. This is wonderful because it implies that education is not just about acquiring answers and knowledge from external sources, but it's about drawing the wisdom and creativity that reside within us. So, why is education important? Without education, we become stagnant. Humans are naturally meant to grow, expand, and evolve. Education supports us in becoming more by cultivating new thoughts, ideas, and inspirations. A healthy and happy life requires growth and expansion, which is why we teach education in the curriculum. Continued education has been shown to increase brain health. The plasticity of our brains allows us to constantly learn new skills and improve our memory, and it supports our ability to process. When we continually challenge ourselves on a daily basis to learn something new, our brain literally changes its structure and increases the number of synapses between its neurons. As this happens, we're able to send and receive information faster and more effectively. Research has shown that education is key to slowing brain aging. People who regularly engage in mentally challenging activities experience slower rates of memory decline. Henry Ford says it best, anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. The greatest thing in life is to keep your mind young. Aside from improving the health of our brain, education also supports a greater sense of confidence. As we challenge ourselves to expand our minds through continued learning, we are better equipped to take on challenges that life may bring us. Whether it's becoming an expert in our profession, more confident in social situations, or empowered by the resources we've acquired, education supports us in achieving greater success in all aspects of our lives. As with everything else we teach in the curriculum, our needs related to education are bio-individual. Some people receive the most joy and benefit from learning a new language or instrument. For others, it may be learning a new skill or craft, such as public speaking or knitting. And for another, it could be taking a science class, writing a book, or learning a new computer program. The possibilities for continued learning are endless. Our desires and preferences constantly shift over time as well, so we can adjust our learning style and focus on what aligns with our evolving interests. So, how can you begin enjoying all the health benefits education has to offer? Healthy education requires balance, just like everything else. We can burn out if we overwhelm ourselves with too much stimulation. As we give ourselves proper time and space to integrate new information, we reap the health benefits of learning by absorbing new information better, and by being inspired to learn even more. It's as simple as making conscious decisions that align with your core values. So honor yourself and choose the appropriate level of mental stimulation and learning that brings you the most joy and balance in your life. As with all areas of primary food, your education will ebb and flow. Because of this, it's important to continually check in on how this area of primary food is going for you to ensure that you're nourishing yourself fully, both on and off the plate. Begin exploring this area of primary food in your own life by reflecting on your current relationship with education. Consider your answers to the following questions. What does education mean to you? What area
areas are you most interested in learning about? Is education an area where you currently invest your time? Does your continuous learning support your emotional and physical health? On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of satisfaction with this area of primary food? In this module and across this program, you'll learn simple ways to prioritize this area of primary food in your life. It can be intimidating to step outside your comfort zone and learn something new. But remember, at the end of the day, it's about progress, not perfection. So be open to experimentation and take it one day at a time. By exploring new ways to improve your education now, you'll enjoy a healthy and happy life for years to come. Hi everyone, it's Tara. At the school, we remind you often that you don't need to know everything to be a successful health coach and that everything you know already is enough. The truth is, with all the information out there, you're never going to be able to learn everything. It's not humanly possible, even if you're committed to being a professional student. This is especially true in nutrition because we're constantly discovering things about ourselves and everyone is so different. It's also difficult with business because business always shifts. There's always something new. So, the sooner you can accept that you know enough and that you can never know everything, the sooner you can become comfortable in operating in the unknown. At some point, this journey to build a business and touch the world with your knowledge stops being about learning. At this point, your business shifts to doing. Your focus shifts from modules and handouts to practical application and real-world interaction. Now, we have found a pattern to our successful graduates. Their real-world interaction involves staying in constant contact with other successful people. Humans are not solitary creatures, especially women. If you look back at how we evolved, women were generally left in the village to care for the community, raise the children, prepare the food. They worked with each other. They didn't operate alone. Now, we are still those people. So don't operate your business alone. Plug into a group of people who are similarly focused on building a business for support and guidance. In business terms, this is called a mastermind group. The groups meet in a structured setting, meaning for a set period of time, with members allowed a certain number of minutes to vent or ask for advice or to brainstorm or whatever the situation is that week. Groups are kept to a small number, usually more than four, but no larger than nine people. That way, everyone has a sufficient amount of time to share without the meeting lasting so long that the members get burnt out. Groups can decide to meet as frequently as they wish, but generally, weekly or bi-monthly is best. Each member has to be committed to coming every week and prioritizing that time for each other. Respecting your colleagues' time will help you quickly gain trust for each other and deepen your experience within the group. You should schedule between two to three hours for the group to meet in person. Over the phone may only need to be one to two hours because people's attention spans tend to shorten considerably if they can't see who they're talking to. In-person meetings are incredibly powerful, although a similar effect can be accomplished over the phone. If you're interested in in-person meetings, look at other entrepreneurs in your area that you'd like to develop a relationship with. They don't have to be other health coaches. In fact, Opening yourself up to collaboration with other entrepreneurs from other industries can give you more exposure to different resources, perspectives, and audiences. For instance, in an example mastermind group, 
Joe shares that he's looking into hiring his first assistant through a virtual assistant company. He shares his process for evaluating the projects he will train his assistant in and his method for following up with her. His group then asks clarifying questions about his project so he can better explain to his assistant the steps and address any missing pieces or questions before the project begins. A few weeks later, another member, David, decides he's also ready to hire a virtual assistant and uses Joe's experience to help guide him through the same hiring and training process. In the same group, Jane expresses a desire to build a new aspect of her practice to target a new niche market. The members of her group ask her specific goals she has in mind and help her break down these goals into manageable objectives with deadlines. She is then expected to report on her progress to the group each week. Then there's Robin who is also looking for accountability and uses the group members to hold her accountable to the action items by announcing what she'd like to accomplish in the next week. She also uses the group to recommend resources for time management, expense reports, and professional services. The last member of the group, Bob, mostly uses his time to share his victories and events, and he also mentions a desire to eventually hire an intern. The group celebrates his recent successes and helps him develop a new perspective on what projects he could let go of and delegate to an intern. As a result, Bob begins to look at his work differently, seeing the ways that he could grow if his intern took on his administrative tasks. This example is taken from a real-life mastermind group. Not everyone was a health coach. They were at all different points in their businesses, but they all worked for themselves, which meant they lacked the human interaction on a daily basis. This group gave and received accountability, lent a sympathetic ear, served as a space to be pushed and grown beyond what they could have done alone, and exposed them all to resources or services they otherwise wouldn't have found. This particular group met weekly for a year and a half. They attended each other's special events, they gave feedback on presentations and websites, and generally acted as a dependable group of core advisors. This group began by giving each member 30 minutes to use how they wanted. They could present an idea or a problem for 10 minutes and then ask the group to brainstorm a solution for 20 minutes. They also could vent and think out loud for the full 30 minutes. They could pick each other's brains for 30 minutes. Eventually, they tried dedicating an entire meeting to each person. Sometimes it's really refreshing to focus on someone other than yourself for a while. The conversations occasionally turned more abstract, and the group pondered ideas like customer service, leaders versus managers, dealing with unknown factors, or how to make solid business decisions. Each person had to declare how they would apply the discussion to their business. While you can see the structure changed over time, they maintained a dedication to keeping their time professional and giving the discussions direction. They developed guidelines for bringing in new people, and they asked the group to decide on someone before they extended an official invitation. Preserving trust and presence of equally committed entrepreneurs was a priority to all involved. The group also frequently discussed what they liked most about their interaction so that everyone was guaranteed to continue receiving value, even though the structure evolved. You can see how many ways developing and maintaining a core group of support people can benefit your business, especially when you work alone. Get clear on what characteristics you'd like to be around more or feel would complement your personality or situation. Then, start looking for people that meet those characteristics. Pick a day of the week, 
than a time of day and start inviting people that motivate and inspire you. It's important to ask for a commitment from each person to prioritize this time and to respect the others in the space. Mastermind groups are a very unique tool for moving forward and can fill many gaps that working for yourself can create. Here's to your continued success. Create a mastermind group to stay on track. Mastermind groups are a great way to keep your business moving forward. These groups are designed to bring together like-minded and driven individuals who share their energy and expertise to help one another reach their professional goals. The structure of the meeting can be tailored to meet the group's needs, but Group members typically use the meetings to share their goals and any challenges they are currently experiencing with their business or project. Then, the group can help brainstorm unique solutions that will help the individual move forward. Meetings can take place in person, over the phone or online, and are typically scheduled weekly every other week or monthly for one to three hours here are a few benefits of belonging to a mastermind group accountability for determined goals goals exposure to many points of view that can be used for decision making consistent feedback from peers opportunity to offer your own expertise to others achieve success Advice for new projects, expanded professional network, support from individuals who've experienced similar setbacks or challenges, access to others' member range of expertise, continual inspiration to think bigger and seek creative solutions. Starting your own mastermind group. Consider your answer to the following questions to determine which type. Of mastermind group appeals to you what will be the focus of your mastermind group where will your meeting take place on the phone in person online when will your meeting take place the first Monday of the month once a week what level of commitment will be both worthwhile and realistic for members what rules should be in the place to provide a structure for the group Will you assign a group facilitator? Will the facilitator be you? What types of members are hoping? Or are you hoping to attract? How do you plan on reaching potential members? How will you ensure the group's members are committed? How will you address a group members who no longer seem committed? How many people will your group have? As you begin your mastermind group, Remember that its needs are likely to change over time. You may want to revisit the structure of the group as it evolves to ensure that it continues to be valuable experience for each member.
reach your goal with accountability strategies. When was the last time you challenged yourself by working toward a difficult goal? Did you accomplish it? Many people struggle to set up effective strategies, system, and support to actually reach their goals. Simply accountability techniques can make a big difference in whether a goal is reached. Use the following strategies to refine your techniques, hold yourself accountable, and accomplish your dreams. Write your ideas in a journal or notebook. Accountability strategies Set your goals. A great technique is to create a smart goal. It should be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, relevant, and timely. 2. Identify your support system. What types of support do you need to accomplish this goal? Example, an accountability partner, a mastermind group, a friend, or maybe all three. List the people included in your support network and how you'd like them to hold you accountable. 3. Schedule your time. When you will work on this goal, mark the dates and times in your calendar. Consider when you do your best work. For example, are you more productive in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening? Schedule the days and times you will devote toward on this goal. 4. Create concrete action items. What specific action step will lead you to your goal? Break down your each milestones into smaller tasks. Assign a due date to each action step and add deadlines to your calendar now. 5. Check in on time management and consistency. Set up monthly call with your mastermind goal or block out 30 minutes to evaluate your progress alone. Adjust if needed. Schedule check-ins in your calendar now. 6. Recharge and revitalize. What will keep you going as you work toward your goal? A message? A long walk? List several ways you will recharge and revitalize your goals or yourself. 7. Enhance your environment. What environment do you work in best? Does it need to be organized and free of clutter? Do you need inspiration? Inspirational words and pictures around you? Enhance your workspace. Create an environment that will fuel your best work and propel you toward your goal.